0: Welcome to Fearless Podcast. I'm Mike.
1: And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 146. 146. Theme episode. Yeah.
0: I feel like it's been a little while since we've done a theme episode, right? No, we
1: did one, like two weeks ago. It's just, it's because we had two, we had two updates in a row. And Uh yeah, time is just messed up right now. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I think you've been on a consistent sleep schedule. We were just talking about Uh this. I'm like all over the place. Part of it is, I can't sleep. Another part of it is, sales are so good right now yeah sales are good like i i don't here's the thing now i know our episode like we're we're going old school today we're going to be talking about like building a pipeline we'll talk about what we mean by pipeline but there if right now you have been like ah, i don't know like are people buying i have this like no like if there's ever time to add fuel to fire it is now i in my seven years of reselling like seriously reselling i've never seen people buy this much on ebay yeah. Or Amazon.
0: And I think the the best way of looking at this is we're in a time with that, that nobody expected, right? We've talked about, you know, black swan events and things. That's like, okay, like you can see how something like this could happen, but nobody was like prepared for like, hey, March of 2020, like this is gonna happen. Yeah. Like, like nobody was expecting this to happen. Um, and so many people are are dealing with loss of jobs and so many like difficulties. But if you're a reseller and you're doing well reselling right now, the thing I would like suggest is don't allow yourself to get comfortable mm-hmm. thinking that this is going to be like sales going forward. Think about the things we already know, right? Like we know that oftentimes in the summer, there's there tends to be a slowdown, right? So knowing that there's potentially an upcoming slowdown, what are the things you can be doing now in order to prepare, stack stack as much inventory or stack as much, you know, capital as you can, like treat it like that. And and don't fall into the trap of saying like, wow, sales are so good. Uh, I'm going to pay myself a little bonus and, you know, go out to eat or buy something for myself. I mean, obviously take care of yourself and do the things you want to do. But know that as much as we can't, couldn't have foreseen this time coming and certainly couldn't have foreseen that like that was going to mean sales were going to go up we can foresee that there's a good chance at some point in the future, whether it's the summer or another time, sales are going to go back down to normal or less than normal. So prepare now, use the time now to to, to prepare for what's coming up. Agreed. Agreed. And
1: this is part of what this podcast is about. And and not just podcast, but this episode. Uh, and so it's interesting because I was looking back in our archives, kind of weird to say that. So we actually had an episode about this very early on and I feel like a lot of our recent episodes like we we hit a crescendo of okay we never talked about what's it like to be a full-time seller right or what what does it take and then we had that episode we were supposed to have a part two and we never had the part two Mm. and I think we didn't have the part two because everything went crazy Mm. like that was our last theme episode before the world we live in now existed and so then we we kind of, you know, we pulled back a little bit and we said, you know what? We know there's going to be a lot of people right now. And we get messages all the time of people that have lost their jobs or have their hours cut or furloughed and they're trying to make ends meet or they're, they're trying to prepare themselves financially. And so we decided to produce some episodes that were like, hey, how do you start brand new as a seller? Right. We had two parts of that. Then we talked about, you know how to source online and how to do this. And so this is kind of part of that. We kind of, we, we move things around a little bit and we really think, and we get DMs like this all the time on Instagram and we've been getting on Facebook, <laughs> Facebook. Thank you. All you, all of you that are on Facebook with us. I know we are not the best. Like the other day I went into our messages and Facebook, I I haven't gotten into our messages and Facebook in a while. So I am sorry. I I did not, we did not mean to ignore you guys. It's just one of those things. I have my own Facebook. And so it only has that messages, mm. right? So unless in messages, I switch it, like I don't see them. So anyways, what I want to say is that a lot of you have been reaching out to us and telling us like, I never thought I'd see the day where I say I'm thankful that I have death pals, Or I never thought I'd say, see the day where I'm thankful that I bought all this randomness. And it's kind of interesting because I don't think any of us did. Like I, I don't think the stuff I'm selling right now, like I'm like, why are people buying it? I, I don't know. And honestly, I I don't care. I'm just glad that it's selling. So let's talk about that. But before we talk about, you know, what, what we mean by building that pipeline, let's talk about some different models of reselling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, and here's one that uh, you know, there's there's a lot that we talk about. We've talked about fast, fast nickel, slow dime. We've talked about all these different ways of of of, of doing a business and, and operating your inventory. And there's one that I'm I'm starting to lean more and more towards as being potentially something that I see as the most efficient, however, not necessarily the most realistic, if that makes sense, right? Not, it, Can you explain that out? So what I'm talking about is a model where you are uh, kind of fast flipping, where you're picking up inventory and you're trying to move that inventory in as... Quick a time as possible, realistically. So whether that's you want to sell within the month, you want to sell it within three months. Uh, but it's kind of the idea of you're buying inventory, you go out, you source, you have it, and you list it and you, you list these items and you might be willing to take a little bit less than you would take if you were to say, hey, if I were to wait three years on this teddy bear, I could <laughs> probably th- make $50 on it. Three years. You know let's I mean? Say, let's say one year. Well, yeah, okay, one to three years. Who knows, right? Like yeah. some items you have that are up that long. But let, let's <clears> just say, okay, maybe a year I can make $50 on this teddy bear. Or I can sell it in the next 90 days and I'll make $35, right? Like yeah. that's kind of the idea. Now, the numbers in every item is going to look different, but you're willing to say, look, I'm, I'm willing to part for this for a little bit less than I could potentially get waiting for the perfect moment in the market to sell it. But I'm going to have the space available quicker. And I'm going to have that $35 net profit that I can go buy something else, sell it within 90 days. And if you can do that, I mean, think about it. If if it's at the 90 day mark, which hopefully you're selling it faster than that, if you're following this model, but let's just say that's your average, you could sell four items, the time it would take you to sell it one time, Mm -hmm. right? Getting the Mm -hmm. full price. So potentially you're making more money over the course of the year. Now you did have to take pictures of four different items. You did have to pack and ship four different items as opposed to just one item. Uh, But you might've had twice the amount of profit over the year doing that work. So the reason I like this model is it it allows you to reinvest capital quicker. And I'm a big fan of the, the phrase that money today is worth more than money tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's true for a couple of reasons. One of the biggest reasons is inflation, right? Like there's just inflation that happens. The value of a dollar is worth less um, more significantly over long periods of time. But but every day the value of the dollar kind of goes down less and less compared or the, to what or in it the next before. three months. Right. <laughs> so so it goes down over time. The value of the dollar is getting less and less. And the uh, The idea that you have that money that you can spend now, where I see is a big catch to this model of selling, which again, I think it's great. We know some people who sell like this. I would like to do start doing more of my inventory this way. Um, but the, the catch is, can you source quick enough? And do you have the time to list and sell these things? So if you're moving, if you're used to moving 100 items a month, like that are going out, that's what you're shipping and packing and you switch to this model. And maybe that means you're you're packing and shipping 200 or 300 items. Do you have the capacity to ship that much? Do you have the capacity to get that amount of work done? And are you able to replenish those many I- that many items? Because sometimes, you know, that's the battle we're facing is are you able to source as fast as you can get out? And so you kind of got to find that sweet spot. And so maybe it is better to go a little bit slower. Uh, what are some other models of of sounder? Well, Do you have anything you want to add on that I one? I wanted to add a little bit. So
1: it's kind of, you know, the fast flip, I, th- there isn't a problem with it. Like all these models we're presenting, th- they all have their their wins and they all have kind of like the things that you're going to have to adjust and be willing to, you know, kind of <laughs> deal with. Right. And so, you know, when we had Mark Meyer on, he had, he had talked about like how after a certain t- amount of time, he drops down a certain percentage. Right. So there's that model, right? That's the fast flip model. Like, Hey, if things haven't moved in a week or two, I'm going to drop it down a percentage. I'm going to drop my price until eventually I get it to a sweet price that it'll buy, right? Or it'll buy, it'll sell. Or you just put it on auction and you just try to move it, right? Because you're just trying to make space and you're trying to recoup that money and reinvest, right? There's that way of doing it. There's other people I know that they just run, there's still people out there that just run auctions all the time. So They'll go, they'll do a huge bulk buy and they'll put everything on auction, like right away. And their goal is like within the week to have everything sold. And then if it doesn't sell on auction at a certain price, they'll drop that price and they'll put it on auction again. And they'll just keep doing that till they clean out their inventory. The side to that that's tough is the inventory part, Mm. right? So we know some people that when this all happened, right, when (laughs) I don't know if we want to call it the crash, but whatever it was, right? When we had that moment where it was like, boom, like no one's going anywhere. Thrift stores are closed. You know, a lot of uh, wholesale distributors closed. A lot of, you know, stores closed. You know, the opportunity the source was not there. A lot of people are like, I, we don't know what we're going to do. Like we have no inventory. We sell out everything that we have within the month. And so we don't know what we're going to make, you know, next month because we have no inventory. We have no way to gauge it. Right. So that's the other part. The other part of it And this is one of the reasons I personally don't go with this model is I feel like you're always, 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 always like on this wheel. Like you're just going, 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 going like you have to. Hey, I need to source 200 items tomorrow or else I'm not going to have inventory to sell by next week. Right. So you're always feeling like this pressure to constantly source a certain amount, which there's nothing wrong in that. If you have goals and you're able to make it, go for it. But that's the other side of it is that you always, always, always have to have a reliable source of inventory, right? So there is no team death pile. There is no inventory reserves. It's like, hey, I'm going to source this every single time and I better make sure I'm able to recoup this. So you have some people uh, like Cindy, amazing days. They, they are phenomenal now. They had to switch a little bit and they've been doing a phenomenal job on Amazon right now. And they adapted. I mean, part of this is adapting, but you know, she had talked about on, when we interviewed her that She, she sells through everything, Hmm. right? Her her sell through rate was like incredible. Probably the best I've seen. I'm sure there's others, but Cindy, they do a great job, Cindy and Matt. So there's two sides to each of these, right? And you got to decide which model works for you now. Yeah. Let me, let me just add to
0: that real quick. I like the idea. Um, and and there's probably more layers to this that I'm not really addressing, but I think a, a basic way of thinking about it is you've got three types of assets as, as an entrepreneur doing this type of of reselling, right? You've got time, you've got inventory, you've got capital, right? And you've got to consider the model that you're doing is going to be dependent on where you have the most assets in any of those categories, right? So if you've Mm -hmm. got a lot of time, but you don't have a lot of inventory, or if you've got a lot of time, but you don't have a lot of capital or switch it, you got a lot of capital, but you don't have a lot of time, right? The way you resell is gonna depend on what your makeup of, how much time, free time do you have available, or how much free time do you want, how much capital do you have available, or how fast you need to replenish that capital, and do you have a way of getting more inventory? Do you have inventory? And so you're kind of balancing those three out, and so what's gonna work for you is gonna depend on what you have the most of. We talked about that even with being a new reseller. When you're a new reseller, a lot of times you have more time than you have inventory. And when you have more time than you have inventory, you know, it doesn't hurt to do more research. It doesn't hurt to wait a little longer. It doesn't hurt to to sell things a little cheaper so you can build up that inventory. Once that starts switching and you've got less time and now you've got more inventory, well, then your model switches. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you gotta want to think about where are you at in that spectrum? Which of the three do you have the most of? And how does that affect what it is you want to do? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And that's why, you know, we'll get to the
1: third model, but you know, that's one of the things that I I have. I have time. I just don't always be working Yeah, <laughs> all the yeah. time, right? I mean, part of this is we know some resellers that kill it, but they're working, you know, like 18 hour days, right? And I'm not saying that's not what I'm doing right now. I'm not doing 18 hour days, but I'm working a lot. But that's because I know that sales right now <laughs> are there. And so I feel that the time I'm spending is well worth it because like you said, who knows? July, August, like things may slow down. Right. But who knows? Who knows? All right. So the other one, I call it, I call it the chaser. (laughs) I don't know what other way, but so there's another model where, you know, you might be part of a bolo group or you may, you're only searching for hot items, right? So you're always trying to get the sneaker drop or you're trying to get that collectible or that that Funko pop or whatever. And so this one, this is the fastest way I think to make money. Like, I I don't think there is a faster way in the sense that some of the stuff, like, you know, you do these shoe drops, you pay $200 for a pair of shoes and within that day you can flip it for 800, right? And if you're able to get bots, you can buy multiple of them, right? Or you get Supreme or you get, you know, whatever the new high, and most of this is within a bolo group. And and those bolo groups are successful because there's such a demand that the supply, you know, doesn't, you know, over consume the demand. But the problem is, is that that demand drops fast. Right, so I know plenty of people that were in these groups and they source these items, and if they didn't sell it within that day, by day three or four, like they were stuck with this inventory and they're at a loss. So that that's a
0: lot of to me, it's a lot of speculation. Yeah, it's a it's a risk to reward payoff, and I think I think that's a good point. Is it's, that, it sounds like fun? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. I think that is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's risk to reward payoff. It's it's very low risk to buy a five dollar. I don't know, whatever gadget at a thrift store that you're pretty sure you're going to be able to sell for $10. It might take you several months to do it, right? That's Mm -hmm. very low risk. It's, but it's also low reward, right? You're making $5. It's not a ton of money. Now the opposite, when you've got high risk, high reward, well, you got to, you got to do the, the cost benefit analysis. You're dropping $200 on one item. You might be able to double or triple your money or quadruple your money in a day or you might have lost two hundred dollars, right? So you've got to kind of figure out and do the, the. I mean, there's actually you know formulas you could do. You can figure out what the odds are, and the hard part is you don't know the odds. But the odds are of what's the profit if it's three times your your two hundred dollars, right? So you're going to make six hundred bucks off of it versus you're going to lose two hundred dollars, and then you got to figure out that's that's really the risk to reward ratio: lose two hundred, gain six hundred. What's the statistics of both? And are you at better than 51% odds, then you go for it. But again, that's there's a lot of speculation there. Do you really know? I mean, if anybody could could figure out for sure and be 100%, they'd, they'd be millionaires. Yeah, well, and some are. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the problem with it is, and, and I
1: foresee this, if we go into recession, like right now, people are still buying. Like, I, I can't explain why people are willing to pay what they're willing to pay at the moment. Like, I, I just, I can't. Like today, I, I sold a pair of dress shoes and I sold a, a Disney park shirt. And I said, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, why, why are these, why is this stuff selling? But if we really, you know, let's say six months, right? Recession takes about six months. We're what in month two, maybe of the economic downturn, right? We still haven't felt the effects. Like you personally, if you were furloughed or laid off or your business, you had to shut it down. Like you personally felt the effects, but as the economy really doesn't feel it. And we're not economists by the way, but you know, going through 08 and as a study, you know, somebody who studies history, you don't feel the effects of recession till later on, right? Till people stop paying mortgages, till people stop buying certain things. And so, you know, even right now, there's a lot of people that are killing it, making money and like on selling certain collectibles. Now, it's very possible that that market continues. There's always buyers for certain markets, but the pool is going to get smaller, right? If, if the economy goes that way, if we were rebound... Whatever I'm saying right now doesn't matter, right. But if we don't and things really get bad, right? What are we at? Thirty million unemployment right now?
0: yeah. it's 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 definitely high. And again, this is this is kind of unprecedented because yeah. it's kind of a forced thing. Like how many of these businesses are going to start right back up <clears throat> as soon as, you know certain states open up? how many of these are going to take a hit. So we really don't know. But yeah, the unemployment right now is really bad and and, and indicates that things could get really bad. Again, that's why we talk about, you know, right now, if, if this is, I mean, reselling in a lot of ways is like a feast or famine thing. And a lot of times if you're doing it well, you've always just kind of picnicking, right? Like you're not, I mean, maybe you're <laughs> feasting sometimes, it, yeah. but like if you're doing it well, you're not You're not doing the high risk thing where you're making tons of money, but then sometimes you're losing tons of money. You're always just doing okay. But in seasons like this, you're gonna be feast or famine. And right now we're in potentially a feast season, like tons of people are buying, but you kind of got to prepare for, all right, is there a famine coming? We already know summer slowdown. And if we're looking at summer slowdown, along with just people being uncertain, because that even regardless of what the economy ends up doing, just uncertainty in people's minds is going to cause issues. Spending is going to drop, things like that. And so how do we prepare now to make sure that in the future, we're able to still make money or be in a place where you can make it through the next few months? Because maybe now is the time where you're stacking cash. So that way you can get through some times where it's a little bit slower.
1: Yeah. And, and again, the other side of that is there's going to be plenty of opportunity, right? Yep. So everybody that we've talked to that has gone through recession or built their businesses during the recession has said, the opportunities during a recession are just out of this world, as far as like how much inventory you can buy, how much you can build, and so on. So, just all these things you need to take in consideration because you know you always—I don't know how the quote goes—but you know when there's an economic downturn, and usually the first to starve, like people always say, are artists, right? And that's just the quote. I'm not mm-hmm. pointing out to anybody, right? Because people aren't looking for those luxury items, and so again, this is why we're we're sharing this podcast right now. It's because you know part of it is is you know. I want to make sure that the inventory that we're all sourcing isn't stuff that we're going to be sourcing now. And then later on, we're going to be like, okay, like no one's no one, no one's buying this anymore. Right. So let's get to the third one. Now, I call it the pipeline. And the only reason I call it the pipeline is because it is the word that is used within the reselling community. And actually, you know, um, shout out to Scavenger Life. I don't know if they listen to us, but they are the OGs of podcast resellers. And, you know, I learned a ton from them right? They're one of the reasons I, I actually built in my reselling the way I did. And they had always talked about like, hey, what is the key amount of inventory that you need to have consistent sales? And that's a question we get all the time, like all the time. Like, hey, Orlando, I listed three items. It's not selling. Well, I'm kind of like, well, picture it. You know, we shared as many times you go into a store and there's three items and those three aren't the ones you're looking for. Well, you're not going to make that sale. Right. The other part of it is you have a wide audience on eBay, right? So part of building this pipeline, and we'll talk about this, like what does the pipeline look like is, Hey, part of it is having a variety and I don't know, we'll go back and forth. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't, like we talked about with Chris daily refinement talking about the garage sale store. Is the garage sale store still working? I, I think it is. I think actually now it's, I'm glad I have a garage sale store because I'm selling to all kinds of people and and it's been good because if i was in one niche only and that niche wasn't one that i was selling right now I, i'd be you know in hard times right now the other part of it is you always want to have that inventory to replenish constantly on and on and on so it to t- t- me a little bit like do you you started you you kind of did this pipeline i'm looking at all the inventory in front of us right now you have all kinds of like let's say randomness right do you do you think that was the right move and how would you have tweaked it? All right. So you're you're just asking about the types of items I bought? Yeah, like, okay, so was was building a pipeline, was it if you could do it and we kinda had an episode like this again, but would you have a wide variety of would you have narrowed down to like a few?
0: Yeah, I still think I would go wide. Um I feel like you got to go wide in a lot of areas and then deep in a few, I think is kind of the best way of doing it because um, just like look at a a stock portfolio, right? Like a good stock <laughs> portfolio is made up of a little bit of all different types of industry. You got some technology, you've got some medical, you've got some agricultural, you've got some, right? Like there's all of these different, some food, some real estate, because different things are going to go up and down in different ways. Different ways, right? And so maybe if you're really, really specialized and like you've got really great connections for vintage video games and you can always just get as many of them as you want and they're always selling well, you know, maybe you don't have to worry about going wide. But for the average person who doesn't have like the great connection for a single type of item, uh, it's good to be a little wide, right? So I sell shoes, I sell men's shoes and women's shoes, I sell clothing, I sell men's clothing, women's clothing, some formal wear, some informal wear, some hiking stuff, some you know, fitness, athletic stuff. I sell toys. I sell board games. I sell, right? Like there's all different types of things. I sell some dishware. So the nice thing about that is depending on what's going on. I mean, there's been times where I'm glad I have certain stuffed animals for when a new Disney movie releases, right? And it's like, wow, like my stuffed animal sales on certain Disney items are going way up, right? So being wide is is good because it kind of helps protect it kind of hedges the bets against what's going on in society, different things. I mean, I had some bull stuff and it sold when the new documentary came out right now. It could have been a long time before those sold, but because something came out that I wasn't even aware of because I was kind of just a little wide in a lot of things that really helped. Now there were a lot of things that I bought that I probably, if I could go back, I wouldn't. Um, I was just talking to my wife about, uh, When I could start sourcing again, I'm not going to source items that are not fun or easy to list unless there's just an incredible return on investment, right? Um, Dealing with things that are just, you know, they're going to sit around or they're a pain and you're not like, I mean, I'm disciplined enough where I'll list the things that I need to list. But if I know that it's, I'm not going to list it for a couple of weeks and I'm just going to be miserable the whole time because I know it's just sitting there. Um, it's not worth it. And so there are certain items that I've picked up that might be like, man, I made five dollars on this item, and by the time I figure all that it took to take pictures, to list it, to ship it, wasn't really worth it. So I think i would I'd probably focus on items that had a little bit higher profit. Um, uh, I would say probably the twenty thirty dollars range is where I would say the 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 low end. Uh, but again, ROI is important. So if we're looking at like fast, if I knew I could sell, 10 items a day and make $5 profit off each of them. Hey, that's not too bad, right? Especially if they're easy to ship, right? Is it, is it a CD? Is it a shirt that you just stick in a bubble wrapper and send it on its way? Right. So, uh, I think, I think it depends, but having a wide variety of inventory is nice because it, again, it lets you know what you like to do, right? Like you can start to realize, Hey, I don't like selling these things, but man, I really like selling these things. And so I would say having a, a variety has been very useful. Uh, but, you start to learn to the things that are not worth it and you don't like to sell.
1: Such an interesting point because that's what I'm supposed to be working on today. That was kind of our update. Like so uh, I don't know now, maybe I'll start working on those electronics that I don't want to deal with. But, uh, so you, you bring about a good point because right now, like I'm looking at, you know, just today, right today, I sold a Harley shirt. I sold dress shoes. I sold the Disney shirt. I sold danceco shoes. I sold, uh, some Playmobil, I sold a plush. I sold a hat. I sold, you know what I mean? It's, It's the variety store. And at times like this, when, especially, you know, when there's only so many places that people can go, like you're the go-to. Right. And, and people are willing to go. And what I, what I find is, like you said, initially I bought, and we're going to talk about this. Like, how do you build this up? I bought all kinds of stuff. Right. And I, I think it's, I think it's important to have a variety of niches. Like, I think if, Unless, unless, and we know some people that are really good. Like there, we know some people that, that do like radios really well. I know some people, I know a guy that does knives really well. I know somebody that uh, does video games really well. Like, unless you really have a handle on things or you want to take the time to learn that. And again, this is, there's multiple models, right? This is the model that we enjoyed. This is my second time, second year full-time reselling. And I've made it so far. And I really think this works. Uh, and the reason being is I have a large amount of inventory. So no matter how the the economy goes up and down, no matter how the 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 taste of the consumer changes, there's always something there for someone to buy.
0: Yeah. And like, let's just quickly define what we're saying when we say pipeline, because yeah. I, I don't know if we, we did a very good job of, of actually saying, basically what we're saying is have a big store, have a lot of inventory. So that way you've got basically, I think maybe reservoir is a good way of thinking about it. You've got a big water tower full of inventory (laughs) that can just go at any point, right? So, um, if you've got, if you've got five items, maybe not going to be, you don't have a big enough pipeline. You don't have a big inventory. You don't have enough of a reserve, uh, reservoir that, that will, you know, people are looking for. So a good pipeline, what we're saying, um, and the number that, that you mentioned, uh, in previous episodes is like, you know, like 500, right? Is like a good number depending on the model that you're selling. It depends on what you're selling too. Exactly. So maybe you're selling things. So so for us, for kind of the garage sale store model where you just got a lot of, of, of everything, uh, 500 seemed to be like a good magic number. Now, if you're selling very specific niches, maybe it's 50, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. 50 items in your store and you're making sales every day because the type of inventory that you have. So it really just depends um, when you're kind of just a hodgepodge. you Imagine walking into... Uh, a thrift store or a garage sale, and that's what your inventory looks like. I think 500 is good. I mean, I was making daily sales or pretty close to daily sales at about 200, 300, but then you'd go a couple days with none. Once you get to 500, the nice thing is, is you're usually making multiple sales a day or at least a sale a day. And some days you have quite a bit, right? So, like just this last weekend, we had like 12 sales in two days and it's, it, it's good, right? Like I had enough things, and like Orlando was saying, because I've got enough a large inventory, my inventory isn't even that big. It's it's little over five hundred. Which,
1: congrats by the way.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, which isn't huge, right? Like it's not like massive, but it works for the type of selling I'm doing. It works for the profit item, the profit that I'm making off of each item. It allows me to do all the things that I wanted reselling to do plus some. So, um, will I grow above five hundred? Yeah, I probably will. Um, but I think I think my first goal is to start reducing the inventory that I have that's kind of meh not the greatest and so replace like D level and C level inventory with B and A level inventory Uh, but yeah you want to have those numbers the higher numbers you have not just variety but the higher numbers just total inventory that you have uh, you're going to have a much faster flowing pipeline of inventory going out and money coming in.
1: Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is you would think, so I, I'm going to expound more on that. So I I still think 500, I, maybe 700. I don't know. You know, I haven't, I haven't been there in a while, but I remember thinking like, hey, when I get to a thousand, like it's going to double. Right. And it didn't double. Right. I would say once I got to 1500, it doubled. Right. But again, it's all on what you're sourcing. But I really, now that I've hit past 2000, I find that 2000 takes you to the next leap. Like, and again, it's all, it's so hard. This is all anecdotal. So, but in case you're trying to find a ballpark number, I think 2000 is the next number where it's not like just multiple sales, just like multiple upon multiple sales a day. Right. And it's very rare right now. I mean, it's hard to gauge right now because right now things are like crazy, but it's very rare right now that I'll have only like two sales in a day. Like it's very rare. Now. Last year, when I had about fifteen hundred, yeah, that would happen, and and actually, I would go like a day without a sale sometimes, right? But then I, you know, you, I started thinking about there's other sellers that have like eight thousand in their inventory. So I know that when they got to like five thousand items in their inventory, things got better. But then, like the five to like the nine thousand, like there wasn't much change, right? It wasn't until they got to the ten thousand. Then you get to the other bigger sellers that you have people that have like. 20,000 plus, and those people are making, you know, they're they're easily making upper six figures, not just six figures.
0: We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things. because you know, you know what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with List Perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross-list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket, but one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vendoo is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, You need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, So... First of all, is list perfectly. They're giving thirty percent off your first month, which is amazing, and they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So, uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so, if you sign up, you get thirty percent off, but you have to use our. our link and then use the code lp30 and then the other one is vindu vindu is very similar uh you're going to get 25 percent off your first month if you use our affiliate link you don't have to use a promo code just click on the link in the description Uh, and your your listings are going to go to ebay they're going to go to etsy they're going to go to poshmark they're going to go to Mercari. so this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time get on multiple platforms and maybe make some more money and let me give one reason why i think um going up doesn't it's not necessarily a linear growth okay um, and i think one of the reasons of course it's going to depend on what you're sourcing right depending on the items you're sourcing uh but let's say you're a store with 500 items and in that store of 500 items you've got 100 items that aren't perfect they're not great right so then you're selling so that way like maybe at the end of every month you go you if you were to like, just look at the base numbers, you're selling a hundred items a month. So you're going from 500 to 400, 500 to 400, right? Like, man, I'm selling hundred items a month. Well, if you increase the amount of inventory you have, you still have those hundred items that aren't selling, right? The hundred items that are just like, meh. And so as you grow um, and you're adding to that, your store, total store number is bigger, but you still have this kind of chunk at the bottom of your store, this kind of derated. Inventory that's not going <laughs> to yeah. move, True. and you can add to your numbers, but that number is is still kind of pulling it down, and so you're not going to quite double necessarily because you're, you've maybe added to that number, and that number keeps coming with you, um, which is one of the reasons I think. So again, part of the idea of the pipeline is to set it and forget it. Um, be willing to wait for the right amount of money, right? So if you're like, if you've done your research and you know I should be able to get thirty dollars for this shirt. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to list it. I'm going to wait for somebody to buy it for $30, even if it takes two, three, four years, whatever, maybe it's faster, maybe it's six months, but I, I'm, that's how much I want to get for it. Um, that's kind of the idea behind this pipeline, have the inventory, let it sit, but um, maybe it's worthwhile to occasionally go through and clear out the stuff that's just not worth it anymore. And so I kind of think about, you've got quantity in your store, how many items, but then there's going to be quality of your store too. And so you want to be adjusting both as you're increasing your quantity. You got to make sure uh, that you're also increasing quality. Otherwise, yeah, you're not going to see those exponential growths or those linear growth that you would like to see when it comes to uh, increased sales. Oh, agreed. And we'll talk about that later.
1: The the bigger, the longer you're doing this, the bigger your inventory, the more quality of inventory you should be sourcing. Right. So things that you were sourcing in year one, year two. Maybe you're sourcing some of those items, but you probably, two reasons, you've you've adapted to the market. And the other reason is you're recognizing that like some stuff wasn't just worth your time or or it's not valuable anymore, right? And so you switch, right? So I think about like ties, like I used to buy ties and sell ties all the time. (laughs) I can't think of the last time I sold a tie, maybe like two months ago, right? And there was a time like ties, you could sell ties for $30 to $50 and then the market just died. Right. So right now I probably have a hundred ties. listed. it's not moving. Right. And it, and it's weighing it down. Right. But every once in a while, I'll get somebody that's willing to drop the 30 bucks on a certain tie. So I'm willing to wait for the right buyer. Right. And again, we're not saying this is the end all model. We're just saying this is what's worked for us or at least works for me. I think I think, Mike, I, I think you like more of a fast flip kind of guy.
0: I don't know. I I, I didn't used to be. I used to be like hey, I'll buy this for $5 and I'll sell it for $40 no matter how long it takes because I yeah. know
1: somebody eventually will buy it. Your best offer moments when it was like, offer you 38 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, nope.
0: But I think I'm moving more. I mean, if you think about it, the fact that you're willing to take offers shows that that even oh, then no, you're, you're right, willing you're right. to move inventory. You're willing to uh-huh, get things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I'm moving more and more towards maybe middle of the road and trying to get stuff that I know will sell quicker or just sell it quicker, especially if I, if time is available switch to that model where I'm I'm shipping more, maybe making less per item that I'm shipping. Uh, but the end of the month, the total net revenue is higher than if I were to just sit on stuff, sit on stuff, sit on stuff. Because as as that money's coming in from sales, I'm sourcing more, I'm getting more items, inventory's going up. Uh, so yeah, I think I think there's a good middle ground there. Um, like I like the the amazing taste store model. I think if you could do that, if you think if you can get everything listed and get most of it sold and then get out there and do it again the next week, uh, you potentially can be making insane amounts of money. Now, again, you got to find that balance of, is this too much work? Even if I'm making the money, because somebody could say, I'll give you a million dollars a year, but if the amount of work they're giving you is just is miserable and you can't do it, well, then don't do it, right? Yeah, and I, li- I
1: like what you said. I mean, it- it's true. Like, I have adapted. I have adjusted, right? And as a result of this, I've adjusted. Part of it is... <laughs> I really 100% and people all the time, like give me, give me flack for this, but I believe the algorithm likes conversion. Like they, they want to see sales. So I'm willing to not get that, you know, a hundred dollars in an item and get the, you know, $60 in an item. If if things have been kind of slow, because I'm like, Hey, in the long run, I'm going to sell five more items later that day. And they're going to sell at a higher price. So it's going to be worth it to me where, you know, I hold out, I don't get that sale. And then later on, those other sales don't happen. Like, consistently, I find that it, it's it's strange. Even right now, I'm finding that from about four in the morning, no, like 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> and again, this is all anecdotal. From 3.30 in the morning to like 1 p.m., like that is a sweet spot right now for me for eBay. Like I get all kinds of sales. And then I'll get like two or three that trickle in, like around three that I have to pack up and drop off at the post office. And then it just dies. And then I'll get some later ones at nine or 10. But I think those that all show up in the morning, it's at Maybe people are, you know, they're awake, they're alert, they're on their phones, whatever. But, you know, I, I was willing to take those few sales in the morning that I was kind of like, eh, and then boom, more sales, more sales, more sales, more sales. Now I will 100% agree. I do believe that in, in mathematically the the fast flip can make you more money over time, right? It, it, it Like faster. Like I think you can make the same amount of money on both ends. It just the time, it'll just take you more time. Am I, you think I'm off on that?
0: Uh, a little off, just because, okay. just because if you, if you're, if you're thinking about ROI, right? Like let us know in the comments, what are your thoughts? Well, but, but let, let's just say like, if you, if you could get 100% ROI on an item versus 50% ROI on yeah. an item, right? 90 days, you get 50% ROI. One year, you get 100% ROI. Oh yeah. Right?
1: yeah, yeah. No, so
0: I you're so if you're now. doing yeah, that, yeah, yeah. then, and you're reinvesting the capital, like I said, you've got four, You've done that four times. So you've had 200% ROI as opposed to 100. So yeah, you do. Know. In yeah. the same amount of time, you make more, uh, but it's more work. I think that's where the trade-off well, is. Well, okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. So
1: I've I've shared this a lot. You know, I could, is it possible? And I, I don't know. Do I have it within me to scale and have like a massive store and and do the Amazon warehouse? I think I do. Do I care to do it? No. Uh, I Because I enjoy... They'd be like, this summer I'm going to travel, right? And you're traveling a little bit too, right? So there's going to be a week where I'm not going to, I might be sourcing, but I'm not going to be listing. I'm not going to be shipping, but I'm going to have a large enough inventory that I'm not worried about that. You know, what really makes me sad right now is there was a time where you could do this with Amazon, like before all the inventory storage fee hits, before the long-term storage fee, there was a time that having a quote unquote pipeline on Amazon worked, that died like I think, I want to say two, three years ago. And then I would say in this last year it really died. So, if you're listening and you're thinking about the applying this to Amazon, I would not apply to Amazon. Amazon is fast flip, hundred percent all the time. I, I even you know some people talk about like on Amazon like you source, and so you're either the first one in or the last one to get out. Usually, when you're the last one to get out, by the time the fees hit and everything, you're the last one to lose. Like I, I re- that's just my personal opinion, and and or maybe you could say you're the biggest loser. Oh yeah. And again, I, I just say that because I've lost a lot doing yeah. that, right? I've learned right now that the moment it's going to sell, is the moment I need to sell out on Amazon. Now on eBay, I am waiting to wait for the right buyer for two reasons. One is I know the value of the item and I know it's going to sell over time. So for instance, I had a guy the other day haggle me about a hat that I paid five. I knew the hat was worth 80 to a hundred. And the guy's like, oh, this hat's all distorted and you didn't store it right. And you know... I, I'd give you the, your 80, but I can only give you 25. Well, I'm like, okay, well, that's too bad. Like, you're not, you don't understand the value of this item, or you're a reseller that's trying to terribly negotiate with me on this hat. And then, you know, within a day or two, I had somebody offer me 60, and that was good enough, right? And again, Orlando adapting, I took 60 instead of the 80, the 100 that I thought it was worth because I could reinvest that money. Now, you don't want to get to a place. Where like you know how you were in the beginning I I've done this too where you know something's like I think it's worth three hundred dollars and somebody offers me two hundred and I'll share about that that's one of my hustle of the week somebody offers me two hundred and then I counter at two fifty like that that's just a bad move especially if you paid five dollars for something like that's just a bad move right so. You want to wait for the right buyer, but you want to be careful that you're not hoarding the inventory instead of selling the inventory, right? So I'm a big believer that the advantage of having the pipeline is that it gives you the opportunity to drop whatever you're doing and not do things for a few days and you're still going to get sales, right? It gives you the ability to not work as much because, you know, I I share this a lot. Like on Instagram, you'll see a lot of people that have like 40 packages going out Monday. I'm like, wow. Or no, no. I've seen people like have a hundred and then they're like, hey, my net profit was 600 bucks. Like, wow, that's a lot of work. I, I, you know, I'm not going to do the math, but to flip a hundred packages, package ship it out for $600 net, where sometimes I'll sell 10 items and I'll make $600 net. I like that model better, right? Because that's less time. That's more time I'm spending with my family and so that's why I like the pipeline where you have a large inventory and you have quality items. And so you're not spending as much time on that wheel because, again, you don't want to develop a sweatshop for yourself. Like most people I know that have burned out reselling is that they picked up everything they thought was profitable and then they just burned themselves out because they're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to make this. I'm going to sell this quick. And, and you know, there's something not a ton of packages a day, but they're like, I can't keep doing this. You know, I I just can't do this anymore. And it's over. So. Anything you want to add to that?
0: Yeah, I think that's good. I think part of it, too, you got to, again, remember time wise, like how long you've been doing this. Uh, oh, good. Point. You know, when good you're point. first starting out, you know, you're probably willing to to spend more time shipping to to make the $600 as opposed to, because it, it it takes years and years to have enough inventory, especially if like you're starting, I mean, you've talked before about how you started, how I started too, like where it's like, okay, I've got like $25 or $100 discretionary funds that I'm going to buy. This is my capital. And then I'm going to reinvest. Like it could take years upon years before you've reinvested enough that you've got enough items that you're making $100 each when they sell, right? Great okay, point, great point. So great point. if you could, like if you're just starting out and and you're able to find more easily, especially it could be an efficiency thing. If you can find, for instance, a, a place you're able to get shirts, maybe a thrift store by you that always has shirts for a dollar and you're pretty consistently able to sell them okay. for like eight or nine bucks or you're making $5 profit off each one of them. And every time you go in, you're likely to find 10 good shirts, right? Or something like that. Um, it might be worth it because you can be very efficient. You, you know how to package them. You've got all the right packaging. So it actually takes you less time to get them packaged. Um, and if once you start building up, right? Like I remember I read an article back when I was young, when it, when I first started thinking about reselling like high school. Um, and and it was kind of explaining like, okay, you start off. And it kind of gave that that model, like the person who uh, like started with a paperclip and traded up, mm-hmm. traded up, traded up. And the idea was like, start start selling things like, sports mugs and t-shirts and things that you can get for five to ten dollars and eventually you'll have enough money that you can buy and an example they gave was like some clarinet that like costs eight hundred dollars but you can get it sometimes for like $200 at a thrift store and spend $100 restoring it. And then you can make $500 on one item. And then it's like, think of how much time it would take you to make $500 on all these other items. But when you don't have $300 to spend, when you've only got $50 to spend, your model looks different. You tend to sell more items for cheaper. And then once you start building the capital, eventually you can get to that place where you're you've only got 10 items in your store, but each one of them, they might make you $10,000 profit if they sell, right? Like it takes time to get to that place. uh, So you got to kind of have to find where you're at. But I do like where you've said like you're at, it's kind of a sweet spot that you can kind of be comfortable in. You're shipping daily, but it's not so much that you're overwhelmed, but you also know you're getting enough consistent sales that it's not like if I, it might be three months before I make a sale. If I make a sale, it's feast right? But <laughs> yeah. it, who knows if a sale is coming in anytime soon. So it's kind of a good sweet spot to be at.
1: No, I, and I, I want to make sure that that's made very clear. So I five years, I was part-time and I would say the first three, I started with $20. I, we share this, if you want to go back to episode one, right? $20, garage sales, and then that just built and built and built. I had 43 items. The next thing you know, I had a hundred and da da da. But the key thing was that the first three of those five years of part-time it was very much like hobby. It was like, ah, oh, I want to go to garage sales, and I wouldn't go every Saturday, and you know, and some nights I would list. Some it was kind of like it was cool to make the sales, but it wasn't serious. And then the last two years, before I went full time, it was hustle. I mean, I, I'm talking about like from nine o'clock until about one a.m. I would say about four days a week. It was. It wasn't always one a.m. Sometimes it was midnight, but it was just hustle, 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 hustle. It was. Listening stuff, watching YouTube, listening to podcast, listing, sourcing, and then having. Then it became a consistent schedule of Wednesdays and Saturdays. Then it became a schedule of Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Then it became a schedule of sourcing the store that was nearby every single night. And so it just built and built and built. So it takes time. Now there are some of you that have contacted us and you're like, "Hey Orlando, within a month I was able to get to 500." I'm like, "Wow, like that's incredible, right?" So you're right. Hey, you're right. It definitely takes time, and And you think about it. When I jumped to full time on eBay, I only had 1300 items, right? And look how long that was two years ago. It took me two years and it took a pandemic for me to finally get to where I'm pretty close to, I'm at like, I don't know, I'm at 21 something. And my goal is, and I've said this by the summer to be at 3k, right? Cause I really think at 3k, I'm going to hit a really, well, we'll see. I'll let you guys know. I think I'm gonna hit a sweet spot where I'm not, I'm even more lax. <laughs> I'm even, I'm, I'm, I'm not as stressed, you know, and I, I can't, I got to tell you, I have not been stressed in reselling except for the two days in March where we thought the whole world was going to end. Right. So anyways, okay. So we've covered different models. We've talked about what the pipeline looked like. Next, we want to talk about how do you build that pipeline a little bit? And we kind of touched on that a little bit, but before we do that, Need to talk about social media a little bit so if you haven't been following us yet on social media we are on instagram tiktok and facebook we are pure hustle podcast on twitter we are pure soul cast yeah and uh hey you could always uh shoot us an email at pure podcast at gmail.com that's right uh you could give us a call 619-738-1170 at 619-738-1170, okay. at 619-738-1170. And you can always, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering what these guys are all about visually, you can go uh, to YouTube and hit that subscribe and hit that notification. We had a lot of people in the last live saying, hey, Orlando, we didn't know that you guys were live. We wish we knew. And I think part of it is you got to hit that bell, don't yeah, you? You got to
0: hit that little bell notification, to actually turn it to all. Now, it's funny because... Uh, subscribing. Like we, we want you to su- subscribe. Please subscribe. It helps our channel. But when you subscribe, it actually doesn't do anything really for you. It makes it a little easier for you to find the channel on the side, but it doesn't notify you at all when we are releasing new stuff. So if you subscribe to us, please also click that notification button. It'll let you know anytime we have upcoming lives, anytime we have a new video drop, uh, I'm hoping to do some some big projects, video projects here pretty soon. Uh, so you'll never know those come out unless you listen to the podcast and you're like, oh, they're talking about something I should go see. So make sure to hit that notification button. That way you actually know when we drop stuff.
1: Yeah, there you go. And hey, thank you guys. have been buying our shirts. We're still selling shirts, which is yeah. I'm grateful for. So I think I'm going to break even here soon. That's good. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, and, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys have been sending us a uh, listener mail. Uh and so if if you ever if anything you want to send our way, always shoot us a DM and we'll let you know where the underground bunker address is. And uh I think on our next episode we're gonna open, you know, two or three packages. Nice. So I think we got some good
0: stuff coming our way. We should play the blues clue song when we oh when we whenever we do listener we mail. Yeah, that, that. Do, here's uh, the gonna, mail and never fails. Is YouTube gonna come after us though? I'll I'll like I'll trap remix it. So you they, YouTube's like it come after us on some weird stuff yeah, lately, right? For sure. Like sure. we don't play anything and we're like, what, really? This is that okay? Yeah. Sometimes they say our, our, our content is not suitable for advertisements or for, because it's, and then we have to like ask for a review and like, wait a minute, we've got like the cleanest language ever. Like we don't, I mean, maybe we, t- we're talking about economics. So like, maybe there's like, like we, a little bit don't. of like, I don't know what. <laughs> we are so
1: middle of the road. Like it It just, it just, it cracks me up. That that we're happens. vanilla.
0: We're You're like we're, right. you are just vanilla's plain. boring.
1: We're not vanilla. We're we're vanilla with a little bit of spice. Yeah, sprinkle. Sprinkles. Sprinkles. Sprinkles in our vanilla. Hey, and thank you guys all for the reviews. Uh really appreciate the reviews. It's man, you guys I, I can I read, I want to read one of them. Do it. Not just to pat Do not it. to pat ourselves Do on the back, it. but to acknowledge the time that some of you have taken to write. So let, let's read two of them here. We're at two seventy five. We're
0: twenty five away from three hundred. Yeah. I'd love it if we got to three hundred. All right. Let me read it. iTunes reviews. We should have a segment where it's like Pure Soul Podcast, no, iTunes that's, review that's, time. No, that be that brings no value. That brings value to us because we feel good and we
1: tell people thank you. But it's a shout out to the people, it like is. you said, who who taking the time writing. All right. So this is uh, from Hello Two Zero One Eight Zero Zero, and they said. Orlando and Mike are two great guys that talk about real life concerns for resellers. Their advice can help whether you're brand new or a veteran. That's good. You know, I always appreciate that because I wonder if experienced sellers are like, who are these guys? Like, <laughs> are you just a bunch of other YouTubers? You know, the book reviews are great along, hey, the book reviews, Yeah. along with the interviews. The Bolo info is awesome. Keep up the great work and I recommend them 100. Nice. nice. Well, thank like you that. so much. Hello, 201800. Z- 1- really appreciate that. So, And then next, we got one from Kayla, Kla, Kayla, did I, did I pronounce that? Sure. You're the English guy. Okay. Said, great podcast. I love listening to these guys while organizing and prepping my inventory to list. And that's part of the point. We kind of wanted to be that background noise for you guys. They have great chemistry and bring a lot of value to the reselling community. I love the variety of topics they discuss, interviews, book reviews, everyday life as a reseller and life in general. Whether you have been in the game for a while or just starting out, this is a great resource for motivation and encouragement. Thanks for keeping it real, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Kayla. And again, we really appreciate when you write it out and you let people know like what we're about, because we've always wanted to be like different. Mm. Right. Because we could always do like the what's old. We could always do the, you know, a recap all the time. But we kind of like we like the variety, I think for ourselves, like I think we'd be bored if we did the same old content all the time. So, true. so hey, by the way, if you have any ideas about a reaction video we could do, we, we'd like to know. in the. I'd like to know in the comments. I want to yeah. do another one. But. You know we have to be careful because it can't be stuff that is like copyrighted or, or like. No, yeah, I think we're
0: fine. We're reacting. Like, can we it. do like stuff that's on Netflix? Um, I mean, I, I think we could try. And worst case scenario, we get banned. Uh, will be or we'll, banned. We'll, we'll get like a strike or something. But I think I think uh, the way we do it is we're we're adding value. We're not we're using it creatively. I think we're under a Creative Commons. Ah, uh, it's not like we're playing the whole video for for somebody to watch. I think we'd be okay. It might be a bit of a nightmare, but if you guys know <laughs> of something you would like yeah. us to reselling related, do, yeah, reselling related, or or maybe even connected to the things we talk about with like the level up reviews. Like if there's something specific that's like, hey, this is really motivational, or this kind of is talking about what we talk about with like economics, or this this has to do with you know reselling or you know anything like that, or maybe this is a collectible something or another that. That would be worthwhile. Like, I'm not planning on on reviewing Pawn Stars, but you know, you get the idea.
1: But yeah. that be that be, but that would be kind of cool, right? I mean, obviously, the best would be if we could re- do a reaction to The Dark Knight Rises, but that's not the kind of podcast we are. So, but you
0: know, it'd be cool. Like, if we did, we'll start a side channel. What this <laughs> start a side channel. like Have you ever heard of? Have you ever heard? Did you ever watch the uh, Mystery Theater 3000? Oh yes, Love So it. those, have you, did you know those guys have something called Rift Tracks? No, I didn't know. It's that. hilarious. So these, what they do, like they've got a cool app. This is a cool program. I mean, they're not a sponsor at all, but you guys can get this for free. You'll be not for free; it costs money, but you guys will be will be happy yeah, to have we, this. We, there's
1: nothing attached to it.
0: Um, so riff tracks. It's like three or four guys, and if you ever watched the Mystery Theater, uh, is it three thousand? I think, I was what think it was. something like that. So it, it's literally like a couple of guys and their puppets, like just shadowed watching like old cheesy sci-fi it's movies or horror movies, and they literally just like over top of it like narrate and just like make fun of the movie, right? Like they they just riff on it the whole time it's the idea now they have what's called riff tracks and it's neat because they do the same thing where you can like rent or or watch like old old school like cheesy c-rated movies or they have like a huge library so you can put on like twilight or you can put on harry potter or whatever and it connects you you, like pay 2.99 for the riff track and it auto syncs to like you start playing the movie on your own dvd player and it auto syncs and so you can hear them riffing it as it's going it's just a lot of fun so it's kind of that idea of, of of just somebody making fun of something and 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 you know i don't know i don't think we would make fun of but we could we could maybe maybe there's a place for us like to twilight i think you know. Know. we can make it happen yeah <laughs> okay all right but think about that like a movie you're like i'm never watching this movie this is terrible maybe i should watch it with riff tracks right because it'd be hilarious i think it would
1: it would it would, it would make it more entertaining all right, now it's time for our important, well, it's all important, but really important segment of the Come episode. on,
0: hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week.
1: Yeah. All right, let's go.
0: All right. So our first one comes from Steve, IG handle at 401k closet. Genius. Picked up a bag of old microphones in a bag about a year ago and decided to finally list them. Untested. So the first sale was a vintage Neomon KM861 side address condenser microphone, sold it for $600 plus shipping. The second sale was a vintage Electro Voice EV broadcast microphone for $220 plus shipping. Another mic was an Electro Voice EV broadcast gray for $190 plus shipping. Look at that. I mean, $10. That's incredible. And that just goes to show I, I really appreciate, Steve, you sending in this this hustle of the week because, yeah, vintage audio stuff, specifically things like microphones, broadcasting microphones. There's a lot of money there. Uh, and I'm impressed you were able to pick it up for such a good price. And like you said, you listed these things untested. That's a good place to be. If you're not an expert in something, you don't want to spend the time. There's even some board games where it's like, I'm not counting all these pieces. I'm listing it as potentially incomplete. Not sure if complete, and a lot of times you still get those sales. Clearly the sales that you were were making off of this $600, $200, $190, that's incredible profit. Steve, 401k closet, you are the man. Congratulations.
1: I want to add to his story. He, he did a follow-up DM. Okay sorry i'm sorry well it is hot off the press so so we just got this so he had said he went to a garage sale found on the yard sale treasure map looked abandoned you ever had that happen yeah. where you show up and like what's going on and when i was about to pull away a guy ran out of the garage and stopped him like that okay all right let let him in his garage and it was packed uh he used to do abandoned storage units the garage was mostly junk but found some electronics in a very large suitcase full of microphones he added to the pile of stuff, negotiated $10. When he got home, he found some song list inside. It was from a punk band called the world famous Skulls, which aren't that famous. But they, they stayed in his death pile for a long time. Again, we're talking about these pipelines. So those microphones that you just said sold within 48 hours of them listing. Right. And how many stories do we have right now of people that, as a result of what happened, went into the death piles and like, huh, I should have listed this a long time ago. So. So, yeah, thank you so much, Steve, 401k Closet, for letting us share that with you. All right. So, we have our good friend, Sell Quick Ship Quick. I thought we needed to share this one because I thought this was really good. So, Hugo and Tiffany, Sell Quick Ship Quick, paid $5 at a garage sale for a lot of about 1,000 slides. 1, now, have you ever picked up slides before?
0: Mm-mm.
1: Right? I mean, I, I look at slides and I now I'll pick them up, but. Uh, You know, I see them sometimes and I'm like, oh man, like having a, how do I do this? Do I lot these up? And then I got to take pictures and da, da, da. So listed all of them for about $2,100. A buyer contacted them and said they only wanted one train slide for 20 bucks. Hugo could have let it go. This is, this is about, this is like never split the difference. Next level. Hugo said, hey, how about you buy 10 of them for a hundred? The guy went along with it, but then he noticed that the guy liked the train slides. So he told the guy, hey, I'll sell you all my train slides. I have about 300 of them. And the guy agreed to, and so he paid $500. So Hugo took that from one $20 sale to a $500 sale. And they still have two bins of slides to list. So Hugo and Tiffany, incredible work selling slides for $500 $5 to $500. Like, I miss garage sales. Yeah. It's good times. So, thank you so quick, ship quick.
0: Speaking of which, this next one comes from an estate sale. So, this is Dusty, IG handle at Sunny. Oh, it's Bros. not an estate sale. Oh, not an estate sale. No. Okay. It's a thrift store slash appliance store. Ah, okay. So, um, so Sunny Bros went to a local thrift store appliance store. The owner bought the estate of a 94 year old antique book restorer. So that's where this comes from. So, get it uh, bought the estate out of a person who was restoring old antique books that's incredible i would love to see this so the owner mostly sells appliances so had no problem selling the items sold 12 antique books for five dollars each and it's been three weeks so sold two books already one for fourteen hundred dollars and one for fifteen hundred dollars holy cow and should be getting about a thousand dollars for the remaining 10 books also bought the restoring tools for a hundred dollars and will most likely sell them for two thousand dollars Once everything sells should turn the $160 initial purchase into $5,000 plus. Uh, and some of the old books, uh, some of the books sold were The Federalist by Alexander Hamilton, handwritten English, uh, ship logs from 1774 to 1777, docked in Staten Island Harbor on July 4th, 1776. That's crazy. That, that's, that would just,
1: be, that's like pond stars. I don't know if I could sell that. Um yeah, I know.
0: Crazy thing is these books made their way to a rural part of the South. You just never know. Like sometimes like you can get kind of boxed into thinking like, hey, like where I live, like you might find surfboards, but you're not going to find like mountain climbing gear, right? Like you never know what you're gonna find because stuff travels, and there's stories behind a lot of things. And you never know when you're going to an estate sale or a thrift store if somebody grew up working on certain things, and so they've got all these old books or old antiques from an era that's just long gone. One of a kind things, you know. When you can turn $160 into $5,000 profit plus just the story to be able to hold that and look at that. I mean, that would that would have been uh, a dream come true. So. Dusty, IG handle at uh, Sunny Bros. Good job, right on. I wish I could have seen them. I'm proud of you, man. So,
1: I, another addition to the story because the story doesn't stop. Because as a history guy, I couldn't have sold the book, the Federalist. Fight, I, I just couldn't have sold it, right? And the other part of me, I'm thinking you're a You've watched Pawn Stars, right? Mm-hmm. Do you do you know the, the book gal that always shows up, mm-hmm. Rebecca, right? Rebecca Romney. I wonder if she's related to Romney, but. She always shows up and she like talks to you about the book. So I'm wondering, like, did he get these appraised? Like, how do you know? Right. Like, that's always my fear. If I ever come across something really antique, like how do I know? And so he said he used comps, but there's so few that he actually contacted a book dealer in New York and he looked them over and he made offers. So he did. He went to like a Rebecca or another book dealer. So I always recommend that. Like, if you have something antique, antique, like, and, you know, an antique person will tell you unless it's shady that it's not antique. Right. And then he also went to a Facebook group and about antique books and that he was sent to by this book dealer and they verified that. And they actually sent him offers that, you know, he was selling at the right price. So we've talked about this and we haven't done a lot of work with Facebook groups, but they're a great resource. Right. And the other thing is it's okay. If you sell something to another person that has more knowledge about something that will sell it for more. like, Sometimes it's okay to move on on inventory and just take that money and and cash flow it. So, great job, Dusty, at Sunny Bros. Yeah. So, all right, about your hustle of the week.
0: All right. So, in addition to which, I think next time we do an update episode, I'll go into more detail about the story behind the trailer, which that okay. that I would say is is a huge hustle for me. Uh, but a fun sell I had this week. Uh, before all of this happened, I went to. In the before times, we'll call it. So in the, <laughs> the be- before time. In the before times, I went to a thrift store uh, and I picked up. I'm really, I, I don't typically go to the t-shirt section um, just because, I don't know, it just hasn't been an area I've been very successful in, but I've decided, you know what? I hear so many people talking about like old vintage 90s shirts and band shirts and stuff. I might as well go look. And so I found a really cool Thundercats nice. t-shirt, like vintage Uh, I don't know if there was 80s or 90s, but like an old vintage Thundercat shirt, uh, super like thin. You can tell it was old. Uh, But I picked it up for $1.99 and I sold it for $49.99 plus $5 shipping. Uh, And, you know, it it was cool to have for a little bit. And then it's just cool to be able to know that I can turn two bucks into 50 bucks, right? So easy to to take pictures of, easy to ship, cheap shipping, win, win, win. Nice. All right. So
1: mine is. So I, I just can't believe that mine actually happened. So when the good old days, when I was garage selling, I went to this garage sale and it was a guy who he had a clothing shop uh, in San Diego, but he was moving a lot of his stuff. So I bought a ton of stuff from this guy. So this guy had like, he had like signs. So I sold, so I paid for everything that was there. I paid a total of $50. So he had like some rain spooner sign. So I sold like a cardboard cutout. Okay. Rain spooner sign. And actually it was like messed up. So I literally like trimmed the sides. It was literally was a piece of cardboard that anybody could have like printed a rain spooner thing and put on top. So I sold like that time for 16 bucks. I'm like, all right, I'm happy with that. I sold, uh, some other it was like Robert Talbot. Uh, I don't know if you, you know, Robert Talbot, but like they're a Nordstrom brand, like ties and shoes or whatever. And I sold like, uh, you know, like those name plates that you put on like tables. I sold one of those for 30. I sold for another brand, like for 40 bucks. I was selling all the stuff. But what he also had was old shoes. Now, I showed up at this garage sale at around 10.30 in the morning. Now, I showed up there because they had mannequins and I wanted some of the mannequins and they already sold out. And, you know, I always say, don't just show up and go like, hey, do you have this? And if they have to tell you, no, you just leave. Like, there may be other stuff. So I started looking around and on this shelf, there were all these old, like, crusty shoes. And there was a pair there of Gucci shoes and you know, and usually Gucci is like fake if you find it like out in the wild. But my thoughts were like, Hey, this is a real deal like store, right? They had like, they're selling signage you know, this guy is not going to be selling fake Gucci. Right? So I look, and these Gucci shoes were like messed up. And so I'm looking and I shared some of this on Instagram. So some of you already know those of you that follow us on Instagram, so I looked at, I looked at these shoes and literally there was a patina on it. Okay. So patina is like when, you know, things rust, right? There's patina is like horse bit loafers. So there's patina on the loafers. There's all kinds of scuffs. And these were a white pair of shoes that were just like, they were beat, man. Like they, they were, they were messed up. And so I'm looking at all these, at all these flaws in it, but I'm like, these are Gucci shoes. Like, and they're vintage, right? And so even one of the tags is all, I mean, these shoes were a mess. But I'm like, five bucks? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy five bucks, see what happens. I buy five bucks. I look at comps, and people were selling, like, these Gucci shoes for, like, 100. Some had sold for 80, for 60. But mine, they had patina. So I'm like, I'm going to list these for more because these look like museum-quality kind of Gucci shoes, right? And, again, this is Orlando, and it's crazy thinking of listing high. So I listed them at, let me, I'm trying to look at exactly, I think I listed them, I can't see, I, I listed them at about $400, right? And I shared this before because before everything hit, somebody had offered me $250. No, yeah, $250. And I'm like, nah, and I didn't take it. And I countered, never heard from them again. So after, you know, the pandemic starts and everything, two weeks later, Somebody offers me $120, right? I only paid $5. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should just offload. Maybe I'm thinking too high. But I was just like, no, $120. And here's the message. I wanted to share this video. I thought it was hilarious. They said, these are biggity beat, man. I just want Gucci loafers. I'm a grocery store worker, dog. Can I squeeze you with cheap emotions? <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, so, I don't know. Maybe if you approached me differently, I would have been all good. And I'm like, no, I countered. I'm like, hey, man. People have offered me up to $250, i will take above 250 and, you know, I never heard from them again. The next day, somebody offers me, I get like this $300 offer show up on my phone, right? I'm like, what is this? What is $300? And yeah, this guy offered me $300, and he was happy to pay the $300 on it. And then after I accepted, he messages me and says, you have no idea how long I've been looking for this pair of loafers, right? You never know, waiting for the right buyer thank you. Where did you find them? So I told, you know, I said, Hey, there's a guy that had the store. And, you know, I told him like, I, you know, I'm pretty sure he has no more inventory because I really, when I, when I was at this garage, so I pressed him, I said, Hey, is there anything else? Like he had this huge collection of vintage buttons and all this stuff, but no, he, he, everything he wanted to sell, he already sold. So I'm messaging the guy. And, and so $300, no problem. I always say this, the high dollar sales, are probably never an issue, like never an issue. And these were beat, man. The guy that messaged me the first time, these were beat. But, you know, I was DMing, with, I was messaging this individual that, you know, bought the shoes and he said he's going to restore them. And I said, hey, can you send me a picture once they're finally restored? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So looking forward, not only the hustle of the week because of the money I made, but bringing something back to life. I'm excited about that. So there you go. So some Gucci. Nice. I like it. So there we go. All right. So thank you all of you for sharing your hustle a week. All right, so yeah. let's get, let's get to our how to build this pipeline. Let's do it. So well, the first thing I put here, I think it it goes against what we said, but I
0: I said begin sourcing whatever you find profitable. No, I don't think that goes against at all because this okay. is this is building a pipeline to start with. So this this is assuming you don't have a large pipeline, you don't have a very very big uh, reservoir of of inventory that you're ready to just. Put out on the market, right? So when you don't, you've got to you've got to shop for anything that's got profit, even if the profit isn't huge. I remember I took a friend of mine to uh, a couple thrift stores, right. And at this point, I'm, I'm showing him like, look, I've sold this thing and it cost me $5 and I sold it for a hundred and I bought this thing. And so I'm showing him these to try and get him hooked into reselling. And then we go to a thrift store and we're looking at stuff and he's like, man, I can't find anything. And so I see something on the shelf and I look it up. And I'm like, Hey, like you could make $9 if you sold this. Right. And he's like, yeah, but like, I'm, I'm hoping to get like, you know, the $100 sales. And I'm like, look, man, like start off, like get a whole bunch of things that you can make nine to $10 on. And then eventually you'll find those big things. And as those small stuff sell, you've got more and more capital and you'll started to slowly build the the higher quality items. So yeah, I think when you're starting, you just got to find what has profit. Because when you're starting, like I said, you have more space and time than you have inventory to deal with or capital that you can go out and buy tons of inventory. So be willing to, to pick up anything that has profit. I mean, obviously don't shoot yourself in the foot by... Picking up something that's going to make you $5, but it's going to take you hours to deal with. Mm -hmm. But you know, if it's, if you're making 10 to $15 an hour when you're first starting off, that's not bad because it's, that's like the training phase. You kind of got to think of this building. I almost look at like when you get a new job, oftentimes there's like a probationary period where you're getting paid a little bit less and you're kind of going into training. And it's like, for the first six months, you make this amount of money and you're learning this, 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 and this, and you're under this person. And then after that, you become whatever position and now you're making the full salary, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of got to look at when you're first starting reselling, like it's kind of a training period. And so it's okay to make less per hour as you're building experience, because should you be making as much per hour as somebody who's been reselling and researching for years and years and years? Probably not, because you don't have that experience yet.
1: Yeah, and the other reason I put that there is It'll give you a good idea of what you enjoy selling. Mm. Right. And so then you're willing to spend the time. Right. So initially you're like, Hey, I want to pick up what's profitable, but over time, over time, you will go, okay, I like this niche and I like this and I like this and I like this, but I'm not going to pick this up anymore. Right. So if you're going to build that pipeline of inventory, right. I would say over time, you have to narrow that, like the, the pipeline, whatever we want to call it. Right. Because if you're doing, Listen and forget it, right? That's what we're calling it. You know, you just listen once, you're not looking at it again. You want to find stuff, number one, that you're okay sourcing, right? Number two, you want to find stuff that you find is profitable. And number three, stuff that you don't mind shipping, right? So kind of all those elements have to be there. And then, you know, you may, as you're sourcing, you may have thought you like to source a certain item. And then you're like, no, I, I don't care for this. And then you source something that you never thought you'd care for. And now you're like, you know what? I don't mind sourcing those kind of things, right? That's not too bad. I, You know, there's some people that like use electronics and they like spending the time and it's relaxing. And so they're able to, you know, benefit both ways. They they spend some, you know, quality time, I guess, with the electronic and then they make profits. So they get to enjoy and they get to learn on a certain niche. There's other people like me. I like vintage apparel. So I love coming across old like starter stuff. I also like belt buckles. I like I think every belt buckle has a story along with like Harley shirts. I like that kind of stuff. Right. So over time, you develop those niches and then you can build that pipeline that's filled with several of those niches. And you also understand that, you know, certain niches, regardless of the environment, still sell. Right. But the only way you know that is by going wide in the beginning. Now, if you disagree with this, let us know. I'd love to know. Maybe some of you are going to say, you know, Orlando, I source a ton of junk, and I wish I never had that advice in the beginning.
0: Yeah, well, so, I mean, you shouldn't be sourcing junk. You no, know, I, agree, I agree. It's but profitable, so, but items. they may think it's junk because
1: after a while, they were like, "Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't care for any of this stuff. I just picked it up because it was going to make me money, yeah. right?" And then it, it might not have been junk, but it's junk to you because you really don't care for
0: it. Yeah, but I mean, again, you're, that's only probably because the the profit is is low enough. Because the profit's high enough, it's not going to matter what it is, right? Like, I'll sell something that I'm very uninterested in you know, if the profit's there yeah, yeah, and it's easy. Right. So, so again, it, it kind of comes down to, um, what's the profit margin and is it worth it? Uh, cause yeah, a lot of the stuff that I have that I would consider junk, um, is because perspective has changed. Perspective has mm. changed as, as far as five to $10 profit an item just isn't always worth it anymore based off of the velocity that I can sell these things. Right. It's a, it's a slow sell, um, it's not the easiest thing to ship. Now, if it was five to ten dollars per item, uh, let's say it was like sticks of of lipstick, right? And if I could be getting boxes of them every single month and they were selling really quick and I was making five to ten dollars each, that would be I'd, that'd be a dream. I'd yeah. love to do that. you know, so it it kind of comes down to the amount of work and time and energy. So you as your perspective change, what you think of as junk will change. Um, but that's again why we kind of talk about, starting to change the makeup of your store to higher quality items.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Now, the other thing I will say, if you go with this model, you need to buy low. And I'm not saying low, like, hey, everything has to be a dollar or two dollars, but it all depends on how much capital you have. Right. So if you're going to want to grow a store, right, and and you're willing to wait for things to sell, like you got to have a low cost because you don't want to have a ton of money tied up because then you're stuck right? So one of the things that helped in doing this for five years part time was initially, you know, I wouldn't pay more than $10 for an item, right? And then after time, I was making enough sales and I was able to invest enough that now, like for me, like dropping 10 to 20, I mean, sorry, dropping 20 to 30, sometimes 50, sometimes a hundred dollars isn't a big deal because yeah, my money's tied up, but it I still have plenty of capital where I can still dip into capital and it's not an issue, right? But if you're starting off, I really think you have to have a low cost if you're trying to build that inventory. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, it comes down to how much capital you have. So um, when I first went out. But when you're learning, don't you want it to be low? Yeah, you want the prices of of your lessons to be low. Um, but then again, costlier lessons are going to stick with you more. So um, I, I do think you shouldn't probably go and spend $100 on an item unless you're pretty certain it's going to sell. It's better to to spend $100 buying 20 items And learn 20 little lessons about what things sell for what prices, um, even if the profit that you make is less, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's and you're going to recoup more of that money. So uh, you spend $100 on an item that you might be able to sell for $200 might take you seven or eight months, whereas if you spend $100 on 20 items and every single month, three or four of those are selling you're starting to recoup that cost sooner. And so as you get that money back, you can go and apply the lessons you're learning. So yeah, I definitely think there's something to be said about uh, starting off with quantity and then moving to quality as you start to learn those lessons and and start to understand uh, what it is you're buying and you have a better risk tolerance because of the information you have. Because information and knowledge becomes a powerful weapon when you're using it properly, right? When you know this item I'm willing to buy because I know it's going to be about this long before it sells and I know it'll sell for this much and I know how to test it and if it doesn't work, I'm going to be able to make this much. You go into it knowing those things only after practice, practice, practice. I wouldn't recommend somebody uh, dropping all of their money at a thrift store on a used uh, gaming console if they haven't already learned how those move. How do you fix them? What happens if you have to piece it out. Like until you know those things, don't spend all your capital on it.
1: Oh, agreed. Agreed. I mean, I, I give you an example, like with Harley jackets. So I have some Harley jackets that I dropped, you know, 50 bucks on, and they've been sitting in my store for like two years. I know they'll sell for four to 500, but I'm okay with that, Right. Because I still have the capital where, you know, five years ago, I wouldn't pay more than 20 bucks right on a Harley jacket. So you understand the the value of things. The other part is too, is that you know if you use this model of listen and forget it right you know that you know it's okay for you to spend one dollar knowing that it's gonna sit for four years and when it accumulates fees or or even let's say you spend ten dollars right that even if you sell it four years from now no matter how many fees get pushed on that from insertion fees and you know and it, it the real estate it takes in your storage unit like in the end it's still going to be very profitable for you right so that's why i say low cost because In the end, you want to still be able to make money. This is why sometimes, you know, and I get a hard time on social media. Like I saw something that I had for five years, but I still made a $30 profit. Why? Because I only spent $5 on the item. So what did it cost me? Well, it cost me maybe, you know, $5 and like, you know, listing fees. And it cost me maybe if you want to calculate it down to the cubic measurement of my storage unit, how much space, another $5. But in the end, it was so profitable because my cost was low, right? So that's why I say keep your costs low. And, you know, as you build, that's our next part here is then you want to make sure you're building with quality items, right? Because you don't, (laughs) there's a reason why, you know, things are death piles sometimes because you may have picked up items and you're like, why am I going to put in this work for something that I'm only going to make 10 bucks on? right? Or 15 bucks on it. Cause for me, like right now, somebody had asked me, uh, you know, what is your net profit? And for me, I like making at least $30 net on everything I sell. doesn't always happen. I do have items that I'll make $5 net, but overall, I love making that $30 plus cause it is worth my time. Right? So if I'm listing something, right? Usually it'll take me, you know, sourcing that does a hard one to calculate, but let's say it takes me a minute to source, right? Like I'm looking through racks or I'm at a garage sale or I'm at a wholesale place and then listing it, taking the pictures and everything, you know, it takes me another five to 10 minutes. Right. And then packing and shipping takes another five, ten minutes. So let's say it's a half hour. So if half an hour I can make 30 bucks and this is at the very extreme, right? This is like my high tolerance level. Like that's not too bad. That's like 60 bucks an hour. And I'm okay with that. Right. I mean, I do like the hundred to 200, 300, $400 an hour when you get into lawyer money, when you sell bigger items, but this is why you want to have quality items because, as you have the larger inventory, it's worth your time.
0: Yeah, and this is where I would say, um, where I kind of feel like the the list it and forget it might be a bit of an issue is as you start to realize, as your your quality goes up, because I feel like you have a trade off, and you first start you're trying to get your first hundred items maybe 50 of those items are just okay, right? Okay. And then as you build, and now you've got 200 items, like I said, you still have those 50 items that are just okay. And as you build and you get more and more higher quality items, then yeah, you look back to the items where you were making $10 profit per item and you're like, man, now my average sale price or my average net profit per item is like 30 or $40 instead of $10. Those things just aren't worth it. So I almost feel like there might be a place for like, uh, as you grow to kind of have a, a a clear out instead of saying now, again, if you've just got unlimited storage, if you're really not concerned about storage at all, or having that money, but let's say you can get rid of those 50 items that you originally had at about cost. You just clear them out, whether it's you, you, you drop the price to significantly lower. So you go to a, a, a flea market, you go to a swap meet, whatever, and you just dump these items off, you recoup your cost. Now that you've got better connections, a better eye, and you've got, you know, better inventory as a whole, you take those 50 items that yeah, you might be able to make $10 profit each 500 over the next several years if they end up selling, or you recoup that money, you got an extra $250 sitting right there, boom, you go buy a new inventory, maybe you only get five or six more items, but the average sale price is so much higher that and it takes up less space. So I almost feel like there's a place as you grow naturally to kind of clean out. You can continue to grow and let and just kind of bring the baggage with you. Um, Or I feel like there might be a place to say, as my store is getting more efficient, as it's getting leaner, as the items, as the uh, average sale price is going up, maybe I go back through and I kind of get rid of some of the lower end stuff and at least recoup my cost uh, and then turn around and spend that money the way I would spend it today. Like if you had a choice, you can have this item, the, the cost that you spend on this item or the item when you get to the place, you're like, I kind of wish I had the $10 back that I spent on this item because I could buy better stuff with it now, five years later, that I know better. I've got better connections. Uh, Maybe you're not hurting for cash, but it might be worth it to kind of clear your inventory out because, yeah, there's probably nothing worse than you're five years into this. You've been selling for a long time and you get that sell and you're like, it's one of those. I got to ship it, pack it, and there's no excitement. Um, Maybe it would have been better just to lot it out and get your recoup the cost earlier. Yeah. And
1: my counter to that is, That's why it's called listen and forget it. (laughs) Like
0: if it's not going to
1: bother you, if you have the capital, like it, just let it ride. Like it's no big deal. You're still going to make the profit on it. Right. You're not going to lose money right in the end because you did your research right out. You did your research in the beginning. You bought it at a low cost where in the end, if it it sells 10 years from now, it's still going to be profitable to you. And it's not taking too much inventory space. And, you know, it's not going to bother you to ship it. To me, it's like, let it ride. Because if you have the capital, why sacrifice that just because, you know, you get anti or urgent about it? Because it, it's not bad. Technically, it's not baggage, right? Unless you're moving, physically moving, right? But if it's in the same spot and it's not in the way and it's not taking up too much real estate and, you know, especially with clothing, I'm like, let it ride, right? Because eventually you'll get that buyer. And if you do that research, you're going to make that profit. And so, you know, I think there's different ways of looking at it. I just, for me, I did Did I buy some junk? Sure, I bought some junk. Did I buy a lot of junk? I don't think I bought a lot of junk, right? But, you know, I still have, like right now, I'm probably down to, I would say, like maybe 30, 40 clothing items that probably should have never bought. But all I need to do is sell one or two and it's all good. Like I'm not, everything else, I mean, I've, I've already made massive profit on those hauls. And so there's, I'm not worried about it because it's not taking up space for me. It's not costing me any more. Maybe it's costing me a few cents, but you know, in the end, when it sells, it's going to do more than reimburse that money I lost and provide profit on top of that. So yeah, different perspective. I get it. I'm always like, everything will eventually sell as long as you did your research. So, all right. So, Hey, hopefully this was helpful to you and, you know, maybe this will help you prepare as, you know, We don't know where things are going to go in the next few months, right? And it may, there may be a time where, you know, now thrift stores are opening up and garage sales are going to maybe start happening. I know some estate sales are happening again, but we could be in a scenario where all of it locks down again in six months or a year or two. But having that pipeline, whether you plan to go on vacation, whether there's a pandemic, (laughs) whether you have to, for whatever reason, stop your business, that pipeline allows you to continue making that money and provides you profit and so it's definitely worth building, at least in my opinion. So anything you want to add? Nope. All right. So with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please.
0: Please.